Hello, 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 and welcome to Talk Social to Me. I am your host, Mackenzie, and today, Ben and I are trying something, you know, a little new. We felt like we've done a couple episodes here and there, and we might as well just kind of switch things up a little bit. So we hope you like the new format, and we've got some tips for you, we've got some tricks for you, we've got some news for you, and we've got some of our favorite creators at the very end. So let's jump on in. We are back. Well, me, Mackenzie. Lovely Ben is also back. Hello, lovely Ben. Hello, how are you doing? (laughs) Not too bad today. I'm a little, you know, just kind of writing today. It's been an interesting week, busy week. How have you been? Yeah, much the same. Just kicking names and taking butts, you know, so good. Is that, is that the new saying? No, it's a, it's from a movie where like, I think the saying is kicking na- kicking names and kicking ASS. And then so it's basically like purposely screwing it up and getting it backwards. So okay. yeah, it's like uh, it's like playing on the whole like cliche, you know. I like I like that you spell out ass instead of actually saying it. That was very nice of you. I am quite PG, okay? Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. I forgot about that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> So we're going to try kind of like a new little system today, kind of give ourselves some categories. We have been thinking a lot about how to, you know, make this work for everybody. We love giving tips and tricks. We think that's one of the best parts about being in social media and listening to podcasts like this is getting tips, tricks from people who are actually in this creator space. And as Ben is the better creator out of both of us, he has some top tips that he's going to bring us weekly, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, well, I think you're being too modest, but yeah, we'll, we'll be every single week at the beginning of the episode, we'll be dropping a actionable and easy to implement tip that will help you with, in some way, either in performance or save you time, et cetera, help you do better on social. Absolutely. Should we have like a little, I feel like we need like the little jingle, like tricks, tips. No, that's, please, please cut that. That's horrible. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, we definitely need a jingle. So I think we should get you to sing it after hearing that. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll give you till next week to create that for us. Thank you. I, I will try my best. Amazing. I'm excited for that now. <laughs> so what is your top tip for this week? So today's tip is Instagram specific because, of course, we do love Instagram. And it's specific to stories. So stories are people's many people's favorite feature, but a lot of people don't understand how stories get distributed. And so oftentimes they'll post something that gets no impressions or no views, and then something else gets a ton of impressions and a ton of views. So today's tip is just to really understand that Instagram has its own distribution algorithm, just like for regular content, but also for your story. And so they're tracking every sort of trackable interaction with that story. So they're not just paying attention to who watches it, they're paying attention to literally to the exact second how long they watch it, how many of your stories they're watching, and then the type of engagement that they receive. So either interacting with the sticker or replying back to you. So you want to be thoughtful about thinking about those things and just doing all the things that Instagram cares about. You want people who watch it to be spending as much time as possible on there. And you don't want people skipping through all of your stories because that is also trackable and not a positive indicator of value for your story. So if you want your story to go up to the roof, be thoughtful of how can I get someone to not only watch this, but watch all the way through and ideally either go back and watch or pause it to watch. Because even when it's being paused, they're tracking all of that time. That's all positive indicators for you and your story. So if you start thinking like this and creating stories through that lens, you will get way more views and impressions. Do you recommend people start using more and more of the, the stickers and the gifts and all that kind of stuff that are on stories? 
So stickers are always a good idea to use because it's giving another trackable metric for Instagram to keep an eye on and to also see if you have a relationship with people that follow you and the people that see that story. So you also, a good pro tip to extend off of this is you wanna make it as easy as possible for anyone to interact with it because a sticker is not a, a solution unless it's posed in the right way, right? Like you actually want it to serve its intended purpose. And if you can get a ton of people to interact with your story, that's a very positive indicator because that's, that's interaction and engagement, but that's also extra time spent on your story to actually engage with it. So huge plus, but it has to be not just thrown out there or not super, super niche unless that's the purpose for it. You want to make it easy and light for people to interact with. Absolutely. I One of my favorite features on Instagram stories is obviously like the AMA, like asking yep. questions is so important. And I love when content creators, when brands, they do AMAs and start asking, like answering questions from anybody who asks them. Because I feel like you connect more with your audience that way. You're getting in front of the faces of different people. People get really excited when you answer their question. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a great way to start building a community. And I, I do that every so often on my own personal page too, because people are shocked when you actually reply. So yeah, they they really start to get into it. And then if especially if some of them are entertaining or educational, people just kind of get lulled into watching all of them. So it's a great idea and a great thing to do. And it's a great way to keep your your people engaged. Because if it shows that you actually, if you show that you actually will reply, then the next time you have it, if their question wasn't answered or whatever, they're gonna be far more receptive to wanting to do it because now they have the, the belief that you will or potentially will, and they're gonna be far more likely to actually interact with it. And then Instagram's tracking all this stuff too. Absolutely. There is a content creator that I absolutely adore. Her name is Claudia Cloud on Instagram. And she always, every single week, it seems like she will ask a question like, what was your worst date? Or That's what awesome. is something that your partner does that you can't stand? And she shares all the responses. And I think that's one of the best ways to get engagement. And she kills it on Instagram because she, she's so close with her audience. And she shares stories and shares DMs. And she has a really, really good community on there. And I, like I said, I just think it's really important. And I absolutely agree with your top tip from Ben. Well, Speaking of kind of like Instagram stories and just things that can help with engagement, I feel like we should talk about social media managers. And I had a friend this week whose biggest like question to me, because I used to be a freelance social media manager. I had so many different clients from all over the US. And her biggest question to me was like, how in the world do you get clients? Cause she's just starting out. She's super, super fresh, really green on the scene as I want to call it. Is that a phrase? I don't know if that's a phrase. If it isn't, it is now because that <laughs> okay. was pretty sweet. <laughs> pretty green on the scene. But anyway, and you as well have been freelance. You are a content creator. You're a freelance content creator. And I was just like, what do you mean? It was in my head as somebody who did it for eight years, I was like, it was so easy for me to do. But then I kind of think back to when I first got started and I had absolutely no idea where to begin. Who should I reach out to? How do you get your name out there? And I think this is such an important topic for a lot of people that are just getting started. 100%. And I think this is probably the biggest reason why most 
freelance social media managers don't stick with it is because obviously you have to pay the bills, right? And so to do that, yeah. you need a steady flow of clients and, or at least some clients to get you off the ground, then take advantage of things from there. But yeah, I think this is a much needed episode and you have a ton of personal experience and me too. So I actually started out my agency and it was more so just like a social media management agency like five years ago. So we learned a lot, did a ton of things wrong. So yeah, I'm excited to learn from you and then add in what I can too. Yeah, I made so many mistakes. Obviously the biggest one, and I'm sure this is how you were as well from the beginning. I didn't know how to price myself. That's tough, yeah. And I would undervalue myself so often and it was just like the hardest thing. But when I first got started, I was working on a magazine at the time. And I feel like I had kind of a little bit of a, an advantage at that point because the magazine, I was always going to events. I was always going out to drinks, to meet people, to network. And that really helped me. And I feel like obviously after the pandemic, events kind of slowed down. People weren't interacting as much. But that's my biggest tip for anybody getting started when it comes to trying to get new clients, trying to meet new people, is just to go to events in your city and start networking. Bring your business card, talk to people, ask them questions. Are they starting a business? Do they know anybody who has social media experience? Just start talking yourself up and just start handing out your business card. It sounds really stupid and like really easy, but it, it can be that simple. Just networking. Yeah. And people who like you, they want to help you. So I think it's also very important from a mentality point of view to own what you're doing. And so that it's not just a side thing, or I think a lot of people, they just like, they belittle what they're doing because they don't want to come across as arrogant. But I think speaking from a place of confidence is very, very important because then you stay front of mind whenever anyone thinks of these things. So I would always, again, be, like you said, be telling people what you do and then do so with conviction that you're passionate about it. You know what you're doing. That way you're the first name whenever there's, there is an opportunity. Absolutely. I used to work out of this restaurant and I got to be really familiar with the owners of the restaurant and they would just be like, what are you doing here? Like, what are you working on today? And we would just talk. Then out of the blue one day, they sent me a DM on Instagram and we're like, hey, do you mind looking at our social media pages? We know this is what you do. We would love to have your opinion and we would be interested in hearing if maybe this is something that you would like take on board if you have like the capacity. So it's just those, like you said, it's just those little moments, like always not bigging yourself up, but just talking about what you do and giving examples of like how maybe people can help their own brand. I used to do so many little like Instagram audits or Twitter audits or Facebook audits for people. And while I was like trying to network and find clients, I would find different people in the St. Louis area, which is where I was living at the time. And if I saw that it was an area that I had always been interested in, but was I hadn't broken into that niche yet, mm -hmm. I would reach out and be like, hey, was just on your Instagram page. Really, really like this, this, and this. Feel like you could expand on this. Would love to have a chat. And that was a way for me to get into the door. Absolutely. I, I also think, so pro you probably dealt with this too, but when you're in this space for even a little bit of time, what you take as not complicated or not high level knowledge, the average person or average business owner, it would be like groundbreaking to them. So I think it's very important. That's a great opportunity to show your expertise. So if working in ways where you can do that is gonna be massive. Absolutely. And I had a friend who 
started in social media space a couple years after I did. And she kept asking me questions. And for some reason, I was like, oh, that's like super easy. This is how you would do it. Not realizing it wasn't easy for somebody who had just begun. Not realizing that it would take somebody who had just started or has never done it a lot more time, whereas it could take me just like a few minutes. Yes, absolutely. And it's also like the, the understanding of selling based on value and not based on the time that it takes you. Because much like you said, it's the accumulation of knowledge that brought you to this point. But it's also the time that you're saving that say a business owner or somebody else, they, they can't afford to lose, right? So not only is, is it the value of your expertise, but also the value of the time that you're saving that person, which in their business is, is insane. It could be everything. I'm trying to think of some other things. Um, when I first got started, LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. LinkedIn is still so incredibly valuable. And I think a lot of people like forget about LinkedIn or maybe that's just me. But for a long time, I undervalued LinkedIn and didn't really give it any thought. And then in the past few years, I was like, holy shit, there's so many people that I could connect with on here and just kind of see what their business is about, how they market themselves and just doing little touch points, following people and seeing what they say. And you can learn so much on LinkedIn from other LinkedIn people, from other creators, from other CEOs that you can kind of put into your toolkit to then eventually hopefully find more clients. Yeah. I would say Twitter is much the same too. I would, Twitter is like a creator's platform is what I would, I would coin it. Like there's far less just general consumption because it is, it's more active than passive, but it's a great opportunity to, to meet other people in the space and to learn from them too. Absolutely. I think that those two platforms are so slept on from a, a networking perspective and then what that could mean for you down the line. Maybe it's not where you get the, the client right away, but in terms of what that can mean for you, it can be huge for future clients too. I mean, just following people that you want to work with mm -hmm. and then just commenting every once in a while, sending them an article, just saying, oh my gosh, I thought you would really like this. Having those touch points is so important because they'll be like, oh, this person, I know this person because I keep seeing them pop up. A few other ways to to get clients is I, I think too, few, too many people are afraid to just cold DM and cold outreach in, in a unique way. I've had so much success with myself personally, then also with it working for me, a tailored approach to reaching out to someone. So making it very personal. I've found that Loom videos can be great or DMs with uh, voice notes can be fantastic. Anything to make it personalized is, is going to mean that they're going to see it. And so then if you actually have expertise and things to provide, it's going to get in front of the right person. And chances are you're going to be surprised how many people will say yes, or at the very least now they know what you do. So even if it's not for them, if they ever get posed where some of their friends needs it or whatever, they now know that you exist and that's so valuable. I think a huge mistake that new social media marketers make is they obsess over creating content to get clients and then they spend so much time and they're not making any money or proving or improving their skill set. So I think that's a big thing is that outreach is really, really important and you learn so much from it. And the worst case scenario, if they say no, you met someone new, which will probably lead to something in the future. I also think that collaborating with somebody who's in a similar niche as you, but does something different. That's a great so idea. as a social media manager, I had a friend who was a photographer and a graphic designer. Okay. And anytime that he would get a new client, he'd be like, Oh, if you're also interested in social media, I have a really good contact for that. And anytime I got a new client, I was like, if you ever need a photographer or a graphic designer, I have a really good c contact for that. And 
having that person that will also advocate for you when they get up for a new job is so important as a freelancer. And I think a lot of people think too much about, oh, well, that's competition. There's too much competition out there. I don't want to do that because what if they get a different job than me? Don't think like that. You should always empower and lift up your friends and lift up other creators in the space because like I said, further on down the line, they might like talk about you in a different client to a different room and that just keeps spiraling and spiraling and spiraling. Yeah, I, I think the one of the biggest downfalls of early social media managers and business owners in general is the scarcity mindset. I know it sounds so corny and people talk about it in self-development and whatnot, but it is true that you get nothing from living and operating from that space because you undersell yourself because you're desperate and you want more clients. You're skeptical about trusting people because you're worried they're going to take your work or, or whatever. When really, if you just let it come to you and just do your best and, and help everyone as much as possible, you're going to reach a place. And I wouldn't have believed this if this was like four or five years ago, but I'm at the point now where I can say I've lived it. So when I heard people say this, again, I understand that. I thought it was BS. But it will reach a point where you can't take on everything. Like it will literally reach a point where it's like you have to turn away business. And you don't think when you're starting off, you're like, that will never happen. But what you give out, you get back. So just like Mackenzie said, be very generous with like your time, what you do for people, keeping them happy and maintaining relationships because it comes back more than you'll ever understand. Yeah. I think my clients were my biggest advocates. Yes. So I made sure that I was doing really, really good work for them. And then I think probably within a month of me working with my first client, she's like, hey, do you have space and time to do my friend's social media? And I was like, absolutely. And then I spiraled into just like taking over the entire wedding industry in St. Louis. That's so awesome. And then from there, I had a friend who, the photographer friend of mine, he was like, hey, this restaurant really needs help with their social media. Are you interested? So I kind of pivoted, went to there. And then he, that owner of that restaurant, recommended me to another friend. And so it kind of it like still spirals because if, like you said, if you're showing up, if you're doing really great work, they're going to recommend you. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the most important things. Just make sure that you're still doing good work and you're not burning out and you're actually getting paid what you're worth because there's a lot of times and I am totally guilty of this where I wanted to take on as many clients as possible but I wasn't making the money that I could be making because I was like, oh, they're small businesses. Like they can't afford it. So I'll just take on as much as I can to help them. So I could have been making a lot more money and having a lot more time to breathe and make beautiful work for them. Mm -hmm. But instead I was making less money, taking on more clients at a, like a lesser value and burning out really quickly. Mm -hmm. You just think that place will never come. So you, so you operate from, oh, I'll take on anything. I'll do everything. And then you quickly yep. burn out that way. Have you already found much success with testimonials? So like actually getting that from a client and have you ever used that to get more clients? I have. So I used to have like a website and I had a friend of mine who approached me and probably about two years after I had started freelancing full time. And she's like, why don't you have testimonials? Like, why don't your clients talk about you? Mm. I was like, what do you, what do you mean? And she's like, ask them just to write something like nice about you, like about your work and throw that on your website and see what happens. So I was like, okay, reached out to a couple of clients. They like wrote some really nice things. And as soon as I put that on my website, I got like six to seven emails the next week saying, hey, saw your website, 
saw who you've worked with in the past would really like to talk. Wow. So yes, that really, really helps. It's crazy. Just like I said, I just threw it on there, not really thinking about it. And again, word of mouth, clients talking about you, spreading your website, spreading your business card, whatever. They go to your website, see those testimonials. It's incredibly helpful. Yeah. Social proof matters in every context. So anything that you can get, if you have a good relationship with an existing client, definitely take what you can get from them in terms of a testimonial. And I've seen people with great success from a video testimonial, written one, whatever. And it works in every industry too. So if, if you can, if you currently have a client or you've had one in the past who really liked you, definitely take advantage. Absolutely. And from like getting clients from your own clients, you can actually set up a referral program. I have a friend who does this currently where she set up a referral program where she gets a percentage or her, her clients get a percentage, a kickback from any clients that she gets from them. And so that's really helped her. She's actually built her own social media agency from her freelance work through doing this and getting this kickback program to her own clients. That's unreal. Yeah, I know it's any little thing to, because a lot of people, they would do it, but they either have to be asked to or incentivized to. So I think one of the two ways, either making it an active practice where you ask people to do it, or if they have anyone, or creating some sort of incentive to prompt them or remind them to do it. Yeah. Or even just sending them a nice little letter or flowers or mm. just like a little gift to be like, thank you so much. I really appreciate that you reached out to your friend or you said my name to this person because I got the job. Just making sure that they know that you're thankful for it. And that can really go a long way as well. For sure. Yeah. The little things really matter because people remember how you made them feel, right? Oh, you know what? I almost forgot one of the most important ones for me when I was first getting started are websites like Creative Circle and Upwork and Fiverr, where you upload your resume, your CV, kind of give your project outline, and you can have recruiters or you can have clients looking for work kind of look at your page and be like, you know what, I'm going to reach out to this person. And I think that's really important to get on while it's not the greatest in the long run it's really good when you're just getting started and just trying to build your portfolio. Yeah, absolutely. I think anything you can to get some sort of proof of, of your work and, and some experience is always a good idea. Anything else? I think that we covered the extent of mine. Twitter, I wanted to cover that for sure. Cold DMs or cold outreach that's personalized, I think is massive. Not solely relying on content to bring in people. I think it's fantastic. And the more clients that you have, the, the easier it will be to create content about what you do, right? So I think very important to get the ball rolling for the snowball to take place. Your hardest clients are going to be your first clients. So once you get them, it'll be substantially easier, but it'll be a little awkward. And uh, you have to put yourself out there to get them, whether that's in the real world, at events and whatnot, like Mackenzie said, or digitally with emails and uh, maybe on the phone even. I know as scary as that may sound, <laughs> but uh, or DMs. Absolutely. And I know that millennials and Gen Zs were afraid. We're socially awkward. We're afraid to go out into the world. We're afraid to be on phones. I totally get it. However, networking, 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 going to an event, people just don't do it anymore. Like I used to go to so many events before the pandemic and obviously things have changed. The world has changed. Events have changed. But even if you can find a Zoom networking event or a LinkedIn networking event that you can just connect to online, there's so many that are happening. And I think it's just an important way to kind of get yourself out there to introduce yourself to new people and, but yeah, 
networking is always going to be the best way because you got to know people to know people to get jobs to know people. Yeah, no, it is. It's just like that. And it compounds like anything else. So putting yourself out there, the, the first time you go, it'll be the hardest, but then you're going to meet someone who knows someone else who can help you. And as long as they know what you do and they trust you, it's, it becomes a, a place where you have so many opportunities and different things you can go down or reject. And you're going to get to that point where you, you can't take on everything. And you don't want to take on everything. Trust me, you'll burn out so quickly. <laughs> That's one of the, maybe we should do a whole other episode of the biggest mistakes that has been made or that we've made oh, God. because so uh, many. <laughs> yeah, there are so many and there's things like that, that right now aren't even in the realm of people's thought because they're still so focused on getting the, the first clients. But through doing that, often mistakes are made that you look back on and just think, wow, I can't believe that I didn't even think about that. And now I'm yeah. paying for it. Absolutely. I mean, I lost out on a lot of money. I lost out on just my own brand voice. I gave somebody complete ownership over stuff that I probably shouldn't have given them ownership over. So yeah, a lot of, lots of mistakes have been made. Yeah. It's, and it's easy to make them. So I think it's be kind to yourself, try different things too, and also document how they work and, and also do enough of them to see if they work. I think people will, will hear what I say and they'll go send maybe 10 DMS or 10 emails and then they won't get a response. They're like, Oh, it doesn't work. Right? Like you need to do more to actually see what works and also experiment with different things because maybe it's something you're doing wrong, not, not the actual, not the, the system of outreach. It, maybe it's just the fact that you're not outreaching in the right way. So I think experimentation and enough darts against the dartboard is really important to see how you're throwing them. Yeah. A-B testing CTAs, just go. kind of like you want in your social media captions. Absolutely. You want them in your cold DMs. 100%. <laughs> well, because... We wanted to talk about Twitter today, and we always love our musky boy. For today's interesting news article that I found, we're going to talk about the Twitter whistleblower. Have you heard about this? Only from you, so I'm excited to get some more information on it. So if you don't know the whole story, we've done a few podcasts about it, about Elon Musk's takeover on Twitter, how there's been a lot of back and forth. We had a friend of mine who's a lawyer actually go over the contract and say, like, there's no wiggle room. He's going to have to pay for it. But now there's a whistleblower at Twitter and he came forward to talk about all the like there's a bunch of allegations against Twitter now. And one of the biggest ones is that Twitter is completely riddled with security vulnerabilities. And this is pretty good for Elon if he wants to get out of Twitter, because that's one of his biggest things was like the bots, obviously the percentage of bots but how secure people's data is. Mm. And he, there's this whistleblower came forward talking about that. There's also other takeaways from this whistleblower. One of them was Twitter could easily calculate a better metric to estimate spam accounts, but it chooses not to. The other ones are some or all of Twitter's services could be forced offline, perhaps forever, which is a huge one. So what does that mean exactly? So according to CNN, so partly due to its cybersecurity issues, Zatko's, which is the uh, whistleblower, so in the company has misrepresented its ability to recover from simultaneous data center outages. More than half of Twitter's 500,000 servers run on outdated software. Many allegedly lack basic security standards, such as the ability to encrypt stored data, while other servers no longer receive vendor support because the software they run is so old. Wow. So that's but, probably not good. Yeah, I can't. That's that's that sounds concerning. I don't know enough about any of the, the things that you just said to know for, for certain. 
But also, isn't the timing of this whole thing a little suspicious? Yeah. So apparently this guy, Zatko, he quit Twitter in January. And it's six months later. And now is the perfect time for him to come forward. So there's a bunch of people speculating on Reddit, on Wired, on Twitter. Did Elon kind of pay this guy to come forward so he could get out of his Twitter deal? Yeah, well, hey, if, if it can work, that's probably money pretty well spent if he really wants out. But it is definitely strange. Like, why did he wait the six months? It is really weird timing, especially since some people are saying that he quit. Other people are saying that he was forced out because mm. he wasn't actually doing his job properly. Okay. So there's a lot of speculation just about this whole thing. But the biggest one is, is that if this is correct, if he is actually being a whistleblower and it's correct information, then Elon is in the right and should not have to completely close this deal on Twitter. Yeah, it's so messy. The whole thing seems so messed up. But yeah, it is definitely strange. But it seems like everything involved with this whole situation is very, very strange. Like from the beginning of how he wanted it and then stock surge and then all these different things. So I guess like anything, only time will tell. But where's your gut with it all? Like, Where do you think it, it leans? I'm thinking that parts of the allegations of from the whistleblower are true. I'm sure they are. I'm sure there's outdated servers. I'm sure that some of the, there was like one that like Twitter is vulnerable to foreign exploitation and may even now have foreign spies on its payroll. Mm -hmm. Like that, I'm just like, is that, is that true? Could that be true? I'm sure it could be true, but I, I just, the timing seems really strange to me especially since this guy could have come forward at any moment in time during the Musk trial or the Musk takeover. And it's just now when he's ba basically being forced to buy it, this guy comes forward. Mm -hmm. It just seems a little bit suspicious to me. But hey, if it is actually him, Musk paying him, and he gets through it and he pays him just a bit of money just to get rid of Twitter, then... Like you said, maybe it's money well spent. Yeah, I guess I guess we'll see, but it's definitely a little a little strange. There's one more. Oh, is one the more. Twitter? Yeah, so one more from the Twitter thing. The one of the last takeaways was Twitter is violating its many commitments to the FTC. So, if that's true, then they're going to be in a shit ton of trouble mm. with the federal law, and basically. It alleges that extensive, repeated, and uninterrupted violations of federal law barring unfair of deceptive business practices have been happening at Twitter. And so there could be quite a bit of legal battle with that if that comes out to be true. Yeah, you don't want to mess around with that stuff because that, that can be massive no. penalties. Huge amounts of money. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm reading it now too. Yeah, ho hopefully, I'm sure there's some of that. I feel like there's probably some of that going on at every company like this but it's just a matter of time and, and this is obviously it's like it's like anything with when you get basically audited like you're going to find something right do you want elon to buy it do you not care where, where are you with, with that hole at the beginning i thought it was a little strange right now i just really don't care i'm at the point where i love twitter mm -hmm. i will always love twitter it's one of my favorite platforms whatever happens i still want it to be the same because I like connecting with people on there. I like reading 
tweets. I like the memes on there because I feel like the memes always come first on Twitter and then they move on to other platforms. So I don't want to lose that. And I feel like this has really completely disrupted what my feed looks like on Twitter recently. Okay. And it's not as fun and engaging. So I'm really, really hoping that whatever happens, if Elon buys it, if nothing happens and Twitter has to just get rid of Elon altogether, I really hope Twitter doesn't go under. Mm. That's like the one thing because I feel there was like, it was announced yesterday that most people aren't even going to get their Christmas bonuses at Twitter. There's been a huge amount of people just quitting. So I feel like this might be the beginning of the end if Elon doesn't take over. Really? They're in that bad shape. I, from what I've read, and it could just be a lot of, I don't know, people shouting in the wind right now, but it does seem like things are pretty bad over there at the moment. Wow. Well, yeah, I, I think there's a serious place for Twitter. So I hope that that doesn't happen, but yeah, I was, I was, I was kind of hoping he would buy it because I figured it'd be really cool to see how a brain that operates like his would approach something like social media, just from a pure interest standpoint, whether you agree with or you like him or not, I think it'd be cool to see someone with this kind of a diversification of experiences, what they would do to a social media platform. Cause no one with his level of impact reach experience has ever touched a social media platform, right? Like even Zuck, like this, his Facebook was his first thing that made him Zuck, right? So it'd be cool to see what, what uh, Elon would do. So for the last part of our new segment, segment time there we go (laughs) new new song we want to shout out a creator every week that we think is just absolutely killing it and one of our creators that we love to watch on instagram she's also really great on twitter and it's manu from your social team she i don't know if you've seen this ben but she has been absolutely killing it on instagram reels with original audio So what does that entail for someone who doesn't know that? Yeah. So on Instagram reels are just like, you can get a trending audio and add your video to a certain trending audio. Mm -hmm. You can also upload your own audio to reels that people can use on their own reels. And right now I think she has three or four different original audios that are trending. And one of them has 212 thousand people that have used her audio. Wow. And I just find her incredible to follow online. She really has some really good insights into Instagram. I'm really hoping to get her on the podcast soon just to talk about how to grow on Instagram, how she doesn't think that Instagram is a shithole and that you shouldn't be <laughs> using Instagram. She loves Instagram and yeah. really helps people grow on the platform. But yeah, if you are trying to find a trending audio right now just to grow your own Instagram account, highly recommend going to at your social team on Instagram and using some of her audios because they're freshly trending. So it means that a lot of people aren't haven't been using it yet, but it's slowly starting to be on the increase and you can get in there first and that will help blow up your Instagram account. Awesome. Yeah. I think it's a great account to feature and a growth tip for yourself too is to hop on on those and there's obviously a bunch on your social team so that's sweet absolutely and like i said she's great 
at telling you why Instagram isn't dead, telling you how to grow on the platform. And yeah. So that is my favorite creator of the week. There you go. First shout out, many more to come. So tune in next week. Could be you. It could be you. And also, if you have somebody that you recommend that you want to be shouted out at, shouted at, please let us know over on our own Instagram. Send us some DMs. And we love to follow new people. So let us know. Well, that is all we've got this week. Ben, do you have anything that you want to talk about? Shout out? No, I think I'm good for this week, but we'll be back next week with equally juicy information. So please, 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 if you liked this episode, give us a five-star review. I will love you forever. And maybe, you know what? You'll hear your name shouted out next week because I love anybody who gives us five stars. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram. We are at flick.social, on TikTok, at flick.social, on Twitter, my favorite platform, at tryflick. Do not come at me about it not being at flick.social. We couldn't get the name. I would add is, as always, the YouTube channel and the newsletter as well. We, uh, we try to keep you as informed and entertained as possible in all things social media. So if you're in this space and you enjoy this episode, you will definitely love all those things too. So go get them. They're all free. They are all free. All right. Well, thanks again for listening. Hopefully you listened all the way through and we will catch you next week. See you later. Bye. <laughs>